everyone, welcome to the show. Hope you're staying cool these days. It's uh, hot and humid outside, and just like Cavaliers news, it's always hot. There's never an off-season when it comes to the Cavs. This is the Mark and Mark podcast. I am Mark Podolsky, sports editor. I love a pop culture. You are? I'm Mark Mazouris, entertainment editor. I love sports. And let me just admit that it's hot and humid in our office, and it's late in the day Thursday, so we're going to have to bring the energy. We're going to have to work hard at it. We're not going to linger too long on any uh, one topic because we have a really exciting meeting. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. Um, One of our coworkers, Nate Barnes, who works in sports with myself, uh, he wrote a column today, a pretty interesting column, how this this offseason has been very disappointing and nondescript for the Cavaliers and things which you'd have to agree with yeah there's no question you know little minor signings here Jeff Green Jose is it Jose Calderon or yeah the, the former Pat, uh, Raptors point yeah, guard so they got some backcourt help and I think I, people hate the Calderon signing I've he's old kinda, he's old I've always kind of liked watching him play offensively at you know but um they're both minimum you know, both of these contracts and the one we're going to talk about are veteran minimum contracts. And in that context, I like them both. I especially like the Jeff Green contract. Right. I mean, he was once a pretty pretty good player for the Celtics once. You don't yeah. know what he's got left. That's the problem. Right. And I think last year he was making like $10 million or something. Right. Like, you know, all these guys, the guys they're bringing in from the minimum, I think, hats off. You know, and we talked about players that were once great. And, you know, look, Derrick Rose was once a great player, but he's the hot rumor today. We're recording this. On a Thursday, today is, I don't even know what today's date is. Today is the 20th of July. July, July 20th. Hopefully this gets done today. You know, all these various, you know, talking heads are saying it's it's very serious. And I think $2.1 million on the table, which is a pretty good bargain in the NBA these days, right? Well, yeah, that's the least you can pay someone of his experience. So, uh, you know, I'm surprised that he's, I mean, maybe it's smart. Maybe he comes to a contender for one year on the minimum, plays well enough, shows he can help a contending team, and then get somewhat of a better deal. Uh, you know, Look, I think coach. this is the best situation for the Cavs. They get a good player who's got talent, and they get him at a great price, and you don't have to you know, you know, don't have to give him starter minutes because that's the biggest knock against Derrick Rose is that he's always injury-prone. And, look, if you, can only, if you only have to play this guy 18 to 20 minutes a game, not maybe less, 15 minutes a game, that's good. And yeah. then you get that bonus of if he's – healthy and ready to go, you can maybe rely on them a little more in the playoffs. If the Cavs are going to be able to use them the way, uh, you know, the way that I, I think they should, I think it could be great because, you know, Kyrie has certainly been known to have his little injury spells. Uh, so Kyrie goes down for a couple of games. you got a guy who could pick up the ball handling slack. Let's say Kyrie's healthy. I wouldn't imagine too many minutes of Kyrie, LeBron, and Derrick Rose all on the floor at the same time. Nah, That's a, a lot fan, of people yeah. who need the ball. And Derrick Rose isn't really a spot-up shooter. I keep shaking my head at you, Mark. What's that? <laughs> I keep shaking my head at right. you. Right. So Why do you want to see that? I don't want to see oh, that. Oh, I thought you said you do. I'm no, sorry. No, 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 no. I'm saying I could see him getting big minutes when Kyrie's out or even with LeBron's out. I think you could have two ball handlers okay. out there. But I think I keep most, shaking my head yes now. Right. I think <laughs> I think the ideal way to use him is to uh, – he's kind of running the backup unit. Right. Uh, or, or hopefully my dream is if this comes to pass we'll, – Finally, you'd have a guy who could really take over and give LeBron more minutes on the bench. Because even last year, I forget how many games he played, but I think he averaged like 18 points or something. Yeah. The guy can still score when healthy and handle the rock and I think be the dominant guy. So um, I wonder if it's – I think it's a good signing because I think it's high, low risk, high reward. Correct. But I do wonder how he might fit in with this team, the way it's structured and the way they're, 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 uh, the framework of their system. I mean, he's not a guy that – 
is a three-point specialist. No, when I first heard it, I thought, boy, that's a weird fit. Yeah, and then I spent the afternoon kind of talking over in my head. And he's a slasher. He's like a, he's like a mini LeBron. Type. That's why I think you know he, you know, everyone's healthy. He doesn't start on this team. He's right. He's your no. He I, there's no question. He can't start. Um, he shouldn't start on this team. Right. We all, I think we all agree. And if he's on board, then great. You know. Um, no, I think he doesn't fit in with that starting unit, barring an injury. But but as a guy who's going to come in and, and spell your guys' minutes and handle the ball and kind of be the the focal point for, you know, some eight-minute yeah. stretch here. And then well, I wonder how on. he might fit in when you give Kyrie Irving a break and it's him and LeBron on the floor. That's where I think the biggest fit might be a uh, question. Like, uh, the only thing is, like, LeBron has shown, and maybe it takes a little bit of adjustment, but LeBron has shown he can play with anybody. Right. And I think if you have Kyrie off the floor and you don't have that one more guy that needs the ball, like I said, I think you can have two guys who need the ball and be okay. Um, I mean, look, there was a problem with this team when Irvin was on the floor. Finding, you know, Darren Williams had, was nice in spots, but I mean, he kind of faded. Yeah. You know, you just wonder if there's nothing left in the tank. And you, get, you might have to wonder with that with Rose, too. You know? you know how old he is? I was surprised to hear. He's not that old. He's 28. Yeah. I would have thought well, 31, he played, I think, one or two years in, in, uh, at Memphis. I think it was two. Might have been Memphis? once. Oh, at college. I'm college, sorry. yeah. yeah, he, yeah. Was a, he was in I think I'm it was sorry, I think meant it was at, the most it was two. I think it might have been one. Yeah, and, and he's missed so much injury time. I think, in, in my mind at least, I started making him older just yeah, because of the right. knee problems he's had. But well, Kai, um, he, he was the MVP in 10-11, so that's seven years ago right there. That seems like 20 years ago when you I, think about it. And again, I haven't read a bunch of stories this afternoon because I've been busy. I don't know if this is what people are talking about. But, you know, I think he's probably still a decent defender. And you, if you're the Cavs, you always got to be looking ahead to the finals and the Warriors. Right. And, like... Could he do a better job against Livingston than anybody we've had before? Could he yeah. maybe spell some in? I not a very tall guy. Livingston's about six seven six I, seven. I, is Rose not a little taller? He's about not, six two. Okay. He's, not, he's not very. But big. he's not he's not tiny. You know, this might mean the end yeah. of case. Well, he's Felber. not six foot. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> wow, you just just dev- you just devastated me there. The I end of well, Dan Gilbert's boy. Yeah, Dan Gilbert loves Kate Felder. So hey, I hope it I hope it happens. I think it'd be good. Yeah, so let's, we'll see what happens with that. Let's let's talk about. I think an even bigger issue, and I, these are the kind of stories you love, Cavs fans love, NBA fans love. So this whole story, I don't even know who broke it. it might have been Wojnarowski or whoever. You know, Dan Gilbert apparently talked to LeBron, and LeBron came out and said he's frustrated. He doesn't like to make up the team now, and blah, 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 blah. And What is your take on all this? And, and look... These stories do not get released by accident. They were there was oh absolute, no for sure. Are you sure he talked to Gilbert? I hadn't heard well, that maybe, part of it. I, maybe I misread. The, I okay. don't. Somebody came out and spoke to to the media through LeBron and said he's not happy. Right. So you know how I feel. I would like sell out my family for one more year of LeBron right. because without LeBron, we're nothing. That said, my biggest frustration with LeBron is LeBron's move everywhere he's been is to push the front office, make moves, make moves, make moves. Don't worry about the long term. Do whatever you can in front of you. And and and, and they're they're left. They're the ones left cleaning the mess. As we talked about, I think David Griffin was very good at that. You know, make the move in front of you. Keep spending more money. Keep leveraging everything. And then when everything, when all the blood is squeezed out of that rock or whatever, the run's like, gone. all right, it's been real. I'll see you guys. And that's part of the reason why, if I had to bet right now, I think he leaves after next year. So that has always frustrated me about LeBron. And then I step back and I go, all right, well. Even knowing it, would you rather not have him? Oh, no, you got to have him. So I find it very frustrating. I think he's... You can't have it both ways. I can't? You can't. 
well, we're still better off without him, but that part about him really frustrates me, and I think that's how he is. And right. But you mean they're better with he's him. He's the ultimate, what have you done for me lately, when it comes to like the team he's playing. Yeah, with, it's, you know? it's a little drama. It's always yes. a little drama with LeBron. And time changes. Like, look, we have a whole year before he can leave. Maybe the Cavs go on and have a championship year, and then all like there's a lot of time in NBA season, a lot of time to forget. But like this, I knew this kind of stuff would be coming out, and it's frustrating. Well, what do you think there'll be a fallout from this? Um, I'm just worried that he'll be, you know, a little disengaged all year and a little pouty and whatever. If we get if we get full uh, full bore LeBron for the year, then that's the best you can hope for. Yeah, I mean, do you think this is the best they can do in this offseason that Derrick Rose right now and, and the rest of their additions? I think the best thing you could hope for, and in part of it is in context with keeping with LeBron, that the Knicks have a change of heart and buy out Carmelo and we get him on a buyout, or maybe you could put together a deal that doesn't involve Kevin Love. Yeah. Because um, I'd certainly take I'd certainly take – Carmelo Anthony for parts, you know, Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry and all that. But I'm still not sold on the Kevin Love, you know, shipping out Kevin Love and shipping in Carmelo. I don't mm-hmm. really think that makes the Cavs better. Right. But time will tell. But LeBron clearly wants a big splashy move. And the only part you can understand is that I don't think they have as much talent at the end of the day than the Warriors. So I understand, you know, him thinking it's an arms race. But I think, again, because of all the moves they've made and he wants the Cavs to be in the luxury tax, they have very little flexibility. Yeah. So you can't accuse Dan Gilbert. Except when it comes to the general manager, I'm not spending money. So <laughs> it never it never seems like it never ends. It seems like there was the Browns that where all this stuff never ended. Now it's kind of become the Cavaliers. And look, it's it's entertaining. Hey, it's still better than we were or we were four years ago when Absolutely. they were the most insignificant. Team look around. and and look, there no there's no question. They're the overwhelming favorites to get to the NBA Finals again next year. No question. So, but anyway, so let's move on. We're gonna we're gonna kind of mix and match as we go along here. We're gonna go try to do some quick hitters. We're gonna dive into pop culture and movies you saw dunkirk the war film by christopher nolan give me a thumbs up give me a thumbs up certainly a thumbs up and, and one of the one if not the movie i've been looking forward to the most um that said it wasn't exactly what i expected although maybe i should have expected it um my take on it and you can read my review at news and morningjournal.com is um this is Christopher Nolan, who we know from the Dark Knight trilogy, Memento, Inception, Interstellar, doing a war movie. So it's not just told in linear time. It's told, it's told there's three components to the story. There are the events going on uh, on the beach in, Nor- uh, in Normandy, in Dunkirk, where all these, I think, 300,000 uh, Allied soldiers need to be evacuated. There's what's going on at sea. The main part of which is a civilian boat captained by uh, a character portrayed by Mark Rylance of um, Bridge of Spies. Who I hate forever. Who you hate for taking the Oscar away from Sylvester Stallone. We know this. And then there's what's happening in the air. And that's mostly um, Tom Hardy playing a a Royal Air Force uh, pilot. So what's confusing a little bit at first, and they kind of lay it out in the credits, but it's still, or or text on the screen, I should Mm -hmm. say. On the beach, the events take place over a week. On the sea, they take place over the course of a day, and in the air, it's an hour. Now, we're seeing this, all, we're going back and forth as a viewer through all these different settings, and at the end, it sort of all comes together where, you know, it's all basically at the same so, time. I'm guessing at the end of the week on the beach is where it ends? Pretty much. Okay. I mean, you know, spoiler alert, they get yeah. evacuated. This is a historical right. uh, thing. But um, it kind of can be tough to realize that when you're watching Tom Hardy early in the plane, it's not happening at the same time as they're, they're showing That seems very strange. Strange, but this is still for Christopher does Nolan. It, kind of an, uh, it does work, but I, 
my concern or curiosity is whether this film will just play to the masses as much as some other war movies. You know, I don't think it's going to have the popularity of a Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I don't think it's, that's what I wanted to ask. I don't you. think it's going to have the popularity of um, Hacksaw Ridge last year, which oh, I really that was really like. Great movie. It's a really good yeah, movie. Yeah, that was a fantastic movie. Um, I, I would say this is. I think I gave them both three and a half stars. I would say this is just as good, but it's very different. You know, you don't have that. You don't have that central character to just cling to for the whole movie. You've got four, maybe five characters that you're checking in with constantly. So it's just a different experience. Um, so that's why I think it's just, it's not as mainstream as you would expect for a big war movie like this. But again, it's Christopher Nolan. If you expected him to do mm-hmm. something just the same as everyone else, I think you're kind of crazy. Yeah. That said, it's Christopher Nolan who I think has some of the best camera work. You know, he works with cinematographers. He shot a lot of this in IMAX and 65 millimeter. The shots in the air of the warplanes and the dogfights, I think are spectacular. I mean, right there yeah. for me was worth it. I'm that. guessing this movie is very beautiful to watch. Beautiful, but, but also, you know, the just like with Hacksaw Ridge and, and, to resave Private Ryan and other movies. The theme is war as hell. War yeah. is awful. So it's trying to show you the horrors of war and the things that men or men and women who are engaged in war go through. Um, so it's beautiful, but it's horrible. But at the end, it's it's kind of uplifting. And um, I highly recommend it with the caveat of I'm not sure a ton of people are going to love it. So no. I'd be really he, interested. He, you know, he, he, a lot of people were divided. I, I think it was more on the no side with his last film, Interstellar, but McConaughey. Which I was not a big fan of at all. I, I mean, liked it, but I don't think it's his best, and I struggled with aspects of it. Is it just a better effort? I think this is a. I think this is a better movie. It's a shorter movie. It's probably the. Sh- eh, I don't know if it's the shortest Christopher Nolan movie, but even his Batman movies were what two fifteen, yeah. two thirty. So is this, this is a, two. This is about an hour forty five. Really? Wow. Which I think helps it. You know, it, this doesn't need to go on and on. I think it it does what it can. You know, I, I kind of be like, to be honest, it's like. Every movie you seem that you seem to see these days, outside of maybe comedies and maybe horrors, are like they just they have to be always like two and a half hours. I'm like, even when we saw Homecoming, Spider-Man: Homecoming, that was two twenty-seven. I'm like, you know, that was one of the rare ones. Two, that, two hours would have been perfect for this movie. That was one of the rare, rare movies that uh, I didn't feel was too long. I was just in it the whole time. Right. But that's such a rare feat for one of these movies. Right, that is two and a half hours. Yeah, I get. Well, like, it wasn't that I was complaining, but it was like, after I got done, I'm like, we probably could have tightened this up a we little bit. We talked about it with Wonder Woman. You cut yeah. 20 minutes out of Wonder Woman, I like it better. Yeah. Um, even the new Guardians, I thought, was a little flat at times. I think you could have tightened that up, even though I don't feel that way about the first Guardians. Right. You know? So, most of the time, I agree. So, I'm not usually going to complain about an hour 45 movie, and I'm not going to do it here. I think I think that's a strength of this movie. Even uh, another movie out this week, Girls Trip. I don't know if you've seen the yes. trailer for that. I really like that movie. Okay. But it's two hours. You could cut 15 minutes out of that. Right. You know, just all these movies do that. Yeah, comedy should be like 145 max. I, I agree. Unless it's a really artistic right. thing you're doing. I totally yeah. agree. Um. So I think that's a nice thing about Dunkirk. I'd encourage people who are interested to see it. I just, I guess, what I tried to convey with my review is trying to get across, like, just know what you're getting into. Just, yeah. just don't expect the usual, right. you know. But I think it's, I think there's some good acting and some wonderful camera work, and, and I recommend it. Let's go back into the world of sports. Uh, I kind of, I got, I felt kind of fell into my lap. I got a tip this afternoon from a source close to Stipe Miocic, the UFC heavyweight champion. There was a report earlier in the week from a blogger who. You know, said that he's heard rumors that um, a Cain Velasquez and Stipe Miocic fight is being targeted for UFC. Um, I think two thirteen in Las Vegas in October. Okay. So I was in contact with the source close to Stipe, and this person basically came out and said all contract 
our all fight talks are off until Stipe's contract um, situation or, or issues are addressed. Basically, he's basically saying that um, his last two fights, Stipe has fought. He's been the champion. He fought at the queue against Alistair Overeem. The challenger got more money and the payday than he did. Now, the, the, I found this out that the Texas Athletic Commission, where his last fight was at in May, um, that was uh, against Junior Junior Dos, Dos Santos. And he, even though they don't make the Dallas or the Texas Athletic Commission doesn't reveal their numbers, this source told me that Stipe made less money than Dos Santos. So in two fights as the champion, he's made less than the challenger has. I, I have a fundamental question that maybe you were going to get to, but how are these contracts? Are they done one at a time, or is Stipe committed to a number of fights at kind of the same number? I've heard that these fights – now, I've heard this from a source um, um, that knew Stipe very well, worked with him very closely, that most – not all, but his contract was set up in like increments of like three to four or five fights. So, like, it's basically, like, you get, like, a three or four fight contract, like, bracketed. And I think what they want to do, he might have a contract that's bracketed for a certain amount of money. That's what it sounds yeah. like to me. It sort of, sort of reminds me of a, an NFL player who's outplayed his contract. Pretty much. And now wants to hold out a training camp. Right. So, you always see both sides in those, right? Right. Like, relatively speaking, for the arena this person is in, he is underpaid. Right. The other side of that is... You signed a contract. Right. We, we've fulfilled our. And right. Eventually, you're. You know. Eventually, he's going right. to be a free agent. Right. Though. But let's make clear: we don't know the specifics. We're just theorizing, okay. and that right. might be the case. I'm not sure, but it does. On the outside, as an average fan, you're look, looking at this, going, you know, and it's not like he's fighting close bouts with these guys. He's annihilating these guys. So I, you know, look, I understand the frustration. Anytime you step into that octagon, you know. And the whole it could all come crashing down one one bad round, one bad fight, right. one bad turn of uh, an arm or a leg, and it's it's all over. So and Stipe is in his mid thirties now. I think he's thirty four now. So you know, who knows how much longer he's got to go? And and he's you know, if I'm him, I'm like, do it, man. You know, try to get all you can get because it's, you know, when you're the champion and you're dominating, dominating like he's dominating you got to get rewarded. I have another question that you may not know the answer to. And I always, I always wonder this about a boxing match or UFC match. My impression is that, you know, fighter X agrees to X amount, fighter Y agrees to Y amount, right. and then they fight. And it doesn't always seem like there's a, a bonus for the winner. I always feel like... Right. And obviously, these guys are ultra competitive. They want to win at all costs. I'm not ever doubting their well, competitive but i always feel like there should be prize money on top of it you yeah. know no they give out bonuses for quote the fight of the night okay so stipe has got those the last two fights i think he's at i think his last four fights he's got the bonus it's fifty thousand dollars wait is that decided after it or yes. is that ahead of time? like it, it, they decide whatever the best fight was or yes. best performance or best something? performance best okay. the best fight of the night gotcha and i'm not sure if the winner gets that about that that prize money or, or the, the combatants and both the both fighters get that but you know fifty thousand dollars to you and i man we're you know we're partying but for you know for a guy who's putting his his livelihood on the line every time he steps into that octagon well, and the, you know and 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 the ufc as popular it is now isn't the nfl but in the world of professional sports 
hate to say this, 50,000 is almost nothing. Right. You know, no. You and I would. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. And, um, I've heard from people that Stipe wants to, to take, um, the rest of the year off, 2017. And at the, in his post fight comments, when he fought Dos Santos, he said something like, I can't remember the exact quotes. I, I need to figure things out. And, and, you know, we were kind of, you know, following up on that, and he really wouldn't get into specifics. But I think it's pretty much the writing is on the wall. It's just the contract situation is something that he he feels like he's got to address, and if that means holding out. See, and the problem is UFC's got a problem on their hands when you got what they call the quote unquote baddest man on the planet when their heavyweight champion, you know, is coming out and saying this through through a source. Um, that's not something they got to figure out because. I agree, and I'm sure that's true. I, I just want to ask another question because I don't really follow this. He's still not the biggest name in UFC, or no. anything, right? It's other no. divisions, like no. And I know Colin McGregor is going right. to fight. Uh, and look, he has been quoted as saying, "I'm going to be who I am. I'm not going to be, you know, like Conor McGregor is very loud, very. Huh, you don't say, yeah, <laughs> very, very. If you're uh, watching any of the, if you're watching any of the Colin McGregor Floyd Mayweather uh, press conference tour, uh, right? Yeah, it's loud and brash. And, and I ridiculous. remember I sat next to Darren Ravel, who's the business writer for the. ESPN, very you know, very very popular on, on Twitter. Well, people either love or hate him, but yeah, right. But he knows he knows business right. of he sports, does. and he was at the World Series, and I was he was sitting right next to me, and I said, you know, since you're sitting next to me, I got to ask you something. You know, Steve Mayosik's right in our backyard, the USC Heavyweight Champion. He goes, it's not very marketable. He's just not very marketable, and you know, and that's Steve's decision, and that doesn't mean he's right or wrong. And and I, look, he just wants to live his life. He's a part-time firefighter, and he's so down to earth. Anybody who knows right, if him. If this was the WWE, he'd already be called the firefighter. He'd be going in with yes, a helmet in the ring. Right. You know, you know what I mean? So I'm not talking about that. And, you know, so it's it's something that I think is going to have to be addressed since it's sort of, you know, out, out there now. And so we'll yeah, see. You know, just to just to recap everything you said, I, I can certainly say that 34, you know, in, in, pro, in pro sports years, that's getting up there, especially oh, for yeah. a violent sport. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, if he's got a contract, you know, there's something to be said for living up to it. So I don't, you know, obviously we don't know all the details, but you're right. That's an interesting situation. Well, remember I'm, we I'm saw, sure you'll follow. Remember it. we saw the founder with Michael Keaton? Yeah. The guy who played Ray Kroc, owner of McDonald's. They kept telling him, you got this contract. He goes, ah, contracts, we'll break whatever, they, you know. You know, like everything. You well, know. Look, don't make a handshake deal. That's what that means. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So let's close out. We're going to go back into pop culture, the TV world, or you know, whatever you call it, is HBO really isn't TV. It's like slash movie slash TV. It's TV. Yeah, Game of Thrones season what? Fill seven. Season seven. Seven of eight. I remember sitting here last year. Some guy was dead, and he was going to be brought back to life. We, we thought, should say if you're if you're catching up with Game of Thrones and you haven't, you're not caught up. Sorry, the premiere of seven. Uh, oh, they meant seven. last year. I'm going to spoil everything from there on. What out. was the guy's name last year? Jon Snow. Jon Snow. Is, I mean, he still, is he alive? He's alive. He was resurrected in the most obvious. It was the most and he, obvious. And thing he survived ever. the whole last, all last season, and he's back this year. Yes, he is. I think he is one of the two most important characters in the show. I think uh, him and Daenerys uh, Stormborn, okay, um, mother of dragons, if you will, are okay. the two most important people, and they're probably related, even though they don't know. There's a lot going on, Mark. But I just want to say, um, so they've just started their seventh season, second to last season. They've always done 10 episodes before. They're doing only seven episodes this year. And then either next year, they may wait till the final year, they're doing six uh, episodes. Both these seasons, the episodes are a little on the longer side. I think by the end of this season, I think it's going to be more like an hour and a half. Okay. More like a short movie length. Um, 
And trying not to get in the weeds, I just, I haven't really loved, I love this show. It's probably my favorite show going right now. Mm -hmm. But the last couple of years have been not my favorite of the Game of Thrones seasons. I think they've sort of been largely killing time until they got into the final stretch of the story. I've heard that, you know, these are based on books by George R.R.R. Martin. I did it again. (laughs) George 2R. Martin. Um, So he has a... If he ever finishes them, he still hasn't released the sixth book. He's going to do a seven-book series. Um, but I've heard that originally he had planned a three-book series, and he was going to have a time jump in the middle of that. Then he figured out he couldn't do it. So I have kind of I think that's the reason I feel that the middle part of this big saga has kind of been like kind of just spinning your wheels, doing little things until you put all the chess pieces in the in the final places. You can kind of tell. This person's in no real... Da- I thought, well, they're not going to kill Daenerys. They're not going to kill Jon Snow. And then they killed Jon Snow. And I thought, well, he's not really dead. And he's not really dead. You know. So now we're fine. Oh, sorry, you're going to ask a question. Well, I want... As a total outsider. So he's writing these books at the same time they're creating these shows? Yes. Now he... The book... I, I don't know how many years ago the first book was released. But there were... I think there were four books out before the show debuted. Okay. And I believe he publicly said something to the fact of like... The show will never catch up to the books, and the show will have so are they are they the pretty books. much like rehashing the book pump page for page or well you can never do that in an adaptation. But I mean, you like always have to close do. enough. I mean, that's what I mean. It's I've only read same a little story bit and everything, book, but my impression from listening to to people who've read the books is is yes, it's very similar. Okay, they've obviously left out some characters, they've left mm-hmm. out some minor storylines, they've changed a few things, but it's essentially his story. And then people are mostly convinced that what they're doing now is what he is going to do eventually in the books. But you kind of don't know, yeah. you know. It's certainly possible that the books will kind of end a bit differently than his story does. But you got to think the showrunners are working with the author and kind of continuing his story. Yeah. Um, but it's been funny for all these book readers who have been ahead of the, you know, ahead of the show and have sort of been able to lord it over everyone. Oh, I know what's going to happen, and now we're all on the same boat. Right? So we're all yeah. Watching the show, so. Well, so my question to you is, with I think the problem with long running TV shows is that you hit. I think you sometimes you hit a snag somewhere along the line, and it's hard to maintain earlier success. Do you feel that this show is getting better, worse, or staying the same, or are you are you kind of just biding your time? Like you kind of hinted that you're well, biding your time till the end. I think it got worse in the middle, but I'm optimistic. And what I saw Sunday during the premiere starts to confirm what I thought is that it's going to be good down the stretch because mm-hmm. I think he had this basic idea for a big story and then had to make it even bigger and i think in the middle the characters they introduced and the plot lines they introduced on a whole weren't as interesting as what had been introduced the first three years right um but now i think you're down to all the major characters are kind of finely pointed towards meaningful saga uh you know concluding directions i think right not that they're all there yet but um you know, again, I know this doesn't mean anything to you, but this Daenerys Stormborn, who I've been talking about, she's been on a whole other continent for almost the whole series, and this is happening, and she's in these wars, and whatever. But you never, you knew it didn't mean anything because mm-hmm. she ultimately had to come to where the other main characters were, right. and she has just landed in the mainland in Westeros. Um, so now stuff should really start to happen. I'm super excited. I, I think everyone I've talked to really liked the premiere. Um, I wish you were on board. I don't know what I'm going to have to do to, you know. I'm gonna, people are like losing their mind on Twitter Sunday night. 
Twitter's, I mean, I pretty much stay off of it during the show, but uh, that's, I think Twitter dominates uh, Sunday night, or Game of Thrones dominates Twitter on Sunday nights, I should say. You know, I gotta so. say, Sunday night is, I don't know how the ratings do, but Sunday night is a good time for TV, I, in my opinion. Well, no, I mean, and, and all the networks look at that, too. All the networks yeah. put their biggest thing on Sunday, so that's really the, I mean, thank God for DVRs, because there'll be three or four things worth watching on Sunday, and then nothing but it's, on but Tuesday it's, but or Wednesday. But it's better, like... There's a caveat with that. I don't know if TV works that well in the fall, honestly. But like in the dead of summer, the dog days of summer, that's where I think you can really hit it. Because like, it's, you know, no one's, the finals are over. You're waiting for training camp to open in NFL, baseball, whatever. Well, the, it, so I think they view Sunday as the best night all year round. But to your point, the problem in the fall is yeah. Sunday night football. Right. All the big networks have big shows. HBO has a big show. Yeah. You can't watch it all. So right. Game of Thrones. They probably had that whole night to themselves, right? That first night. Right. And I hadn't really thought about this, but um, Game of Thrones has typically debuted around uh, beginning of April, end of March, beginning of April, I think. You know, give or take. Yeah. And they had to delay filming a little bit this year because they needed to film more cold weather stuff because I don't know if you were, you'd ever heard this, but winter was coming. Oh, yeah. Winter is now here. So there's okay. a lot of stuff filmed outside and they filmed in Iceland and everything. So they didn't debut, obviously, now until July. So I think even in April, you've got more competition than right. you have right now. So I think I heard the Game of Thrones did its best ever number on of viewers on Probably Sunday. Probably should have, right. And finally overtook... The Walking Dead, as far as like having the best ratings right. right now, so this thing's a juggernaut. I remember when Mad Men used to debut. It was like I think it was late spring. I think they used to do some late summer. It was like remember, some August, right? I remember stuff. there was some late summer or even some midsummer stuff, and even like when Breaking Bad was in the summer, right? I mean, that, those there's something to be said nights. for being the the big show, but the only show in town, right? Know, at the time, so hey, let's wrap it up real quick. Comic Con is this weekend in San Diego. I've, you know, it's it's a bucket list thing for me. I want to go one of these years. One, you're gonna I, go. You know, I have my wife's uh, family lives like 20 minutes north of. Yeah, San I remember Diego. you going to San Diego. And every time we go, we, we always make we go like every other year. And every year we go, the Padres are never in town, and we never go on the week of Comic Con. I'm like, we gotta do this one of these years, you know, and but. You know, do you follow Comic Con? I mean, it, it used to be like we were talking before a show at the old G Four station. If people, techies, you know, and, and nerds remember that one with Olivia Munn and Chris Hardwick. It, it was just like a, it was a dorky, you know, tech show about right. you know Star Wars and all our other goofy stuff. And how dare you, dorky? Right, but hey, I'm a part of that too. But they would always televise live from there. You don't really get any kind of live shows anymore. From Comic Con, do you follow Comic Con? Yeah, now I didn't. I didn't even actually realize it was going on this weekend until today when I saw some stuff. I don't. I didn't read a lot of previews. I've been really busy, but this weekend I don't have too much going on. It's gonna be hot and humid, so I'm gonna be inside right. a lot. I'll probably be geeking out on the internet with any, you know, because trailers will be. They'll show a trailer there, and then they'll put it on the. I don't web, even know so. what kind of trailers are coming out. Something's gonna be coming out good. Something probably. I got a feeling a new Justice League trailer is gonna come out. I wouldn't be surprised because what you have to understand is Disney just did their internal right. uh, sort of convention industry thing yeah. D23. They put out a Star Wars sizzle reel. I assume you've watched did that. Did you hear about they, they came out with the Avengers Infinity which, War? Which, trailer? as far as I'm aware, you can't watch it. Right? I hate that. I'm dying to watch that. I know. it sounded awesome. Right. Is that awesome? I did you hear Star the synopsis of that trailer? It opens with Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, and Thor hits him on the windshield. Yes, I, think, gosh, I just want to see that scene. No, I'm, t- I'm 100% with yeah, it. I think, I think Rocket goes, who the hell is that? <laughs> I'm like that. that you, no, you got it sounds me right there. great. It sounds like it was the hit of the thing. Even though I think people really like that Star Wars right. deal. 
Um, I mean, I understand they're thinking like, look, we want to make this as exclusive as possible. And we want to reward the people who sit out and sit out and wait in these long lines. Yeah. And, you know, we don't want to throw this stuff on, on the web a minute after it's over. But like, okay, how about a month later? Give us I, I agree, or even a week. You know, I, I totally agree. I you totally know? agree. But some stuff comes out. That Star Wars thing was available right, right. away. You know, so I'm sure something fun, uh, I'm sure multiple fun things will come out uh, at Comic-Con. There's a rumor or, or a theory, maybe I should say, that George R.R. R. Martin will finally say, like, a release date for his sixth book, The Winds of Winter. Oh. But uh, just to tie Now, do you together, read the books or not? I started reading the first one, but um, I sometimes will read a book of, of a movie before I see the movie. I found that I can't go, I can't see the, the movie or the show and then read the book. It's just, I can't do it. So okay. I bailed on it. But How's your summer going? It's going all right. This is the first summer where I'm, usually there's so many new, t- I, I think there's going to be no new TV to watch, so I catch up on stuff, but then there's a lot of new TV to watch. This is the first year, but it's not that much. So I'm watching um, Silicon Valley on HBO. I'd never watched that and uh, a couple other things. Still sticking with Preacher, even though, eh. I know. You I bailed on that. You I know, did. Probably I, wisely. I still got to I still got to pull a trigger on Netflix. I'm doing it. I just got to I'm almost done with Netflix Master of None. Great show. Really recommend that. So, there's really? some good stuff. Yeah, it's a good Summer's good for Netflix cuz you, you I was, know I was talking with a friend. On the TV Do you watch The Leftovers? Oh, I love it. We've talked about The Leftovers. I love The Leftovers. Yeah, I've heard some great things about that. You it's should HBO, watch it right? Only, yeah, it's HBO. You should watch it only because it's Damon Lindelof of Lost fame and it's got yeah. some definite Lost type of storytelling. Right. All right, we're going to wrap it up. We yeah. want to try to keep it relatively short. So if people want to follow you on Twitter, where are you at? Please follow me at Mark Mazoros, M-A-R-K-M-E-S-Z-O-R-O-S. And I am at M Poto. So until two weeks from now, thank you for listening. This has been a production of the News Herald in Willoughby, Ohio, part of 21st Century Media and Digital First Media.